Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, everybody? This is John. And this is Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We're going to get at these movies from the... Um, we're going to get... <laughs> We're going to get into the nitty-greedy and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But... We're always coming at it from a place of love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Now when I was a young boy At the age of five My mother style's gonna be The greatest man alive Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, John. How are you doing? I'm great, Kevin. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. It's the most wonderful time of the year, it is. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's feeling cool and crisp. I've got a sweater. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> As we sit here, we're sitting in a sweltering uh, Houston apartment recording, but we're... Uh, Preparing for our holiday special. That's right. Our our hearts and souls are bright, <laughs> even if we're glistening with sweat. <laughs> we're back to start off a whole new, fresh movie. Yes. Happy Monday to you all, wherever you are. Absolutely. Or whatever day you're listening. That's right. Hopefully Monday. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, Who cares? What are we going to talk about today? Well, I know that this is sort of a new one for you. This was yeah. a, a blind taste test for yeah. you. Um, but this was one that went back to the late 90s for me, um, all the way back to 1996 when this movie came out. I may have seen it a, a year or two after it came out, but okay. this is 1996, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes. I had not seen this movie before last week ever. Somehow it went under my radar completely. I remember when it came out. Right. I remember trailers for it. Right. I just... Uh, Never went to go see it. Yeah, so this movie is is um, special in a lot of ways. Number one, it's our holiday series. Yes. Which is awesome. This is Christmassy. Um, this is our first film that we're doing that is starring a female lead. That's right, Gina Davis. This is also going to be the newest movie that we've done on this podcast to date. Okay. 1996. That's near the end of... That's right. Of the era of Arnold. The I golden age was about to come, it was coming to an end. In my mind, we haven't put this to the test yet, but 1997 to me is the last year we would ever do anything from. Excellent. Capped off me with Face Off came out that okay, year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some other rad movies, but um, after that, it kind of became the Michael Bay. Right. Transformers, Armageddon, uh, PG-13 rated action movie era. We need those bloods and guts. I want to see boobs. <laughs> I want to see <laughs> bloody kills and lots yes. of profanity. Yes. I don't want to hear a single word unless it's <laughs> the F-bomb. I don't, yes. <laughs> this movie's got plenty of that for sure. Yes. Um, directed by Finland's own Rennie Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Rennie Harlan, who had a, like a good action pedigree before yeah. this, had done um, had done Die Hard 2. Right. Maybe we'll bust that out next Christmas. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger is Awesome. Yeah, so he knew what he was doing. He knew yeah. what was up. Now, the year before this, he and Gina Davis yeah. had teamed up to make the infamous Cutthroat Island. Right. A movie that cost $100 million and made $10 million worldwide. I can't fathom a movie only taking in $10 million at the box office like that. Yeah. They um, also were a married couple. Right. Rennie and, and Gina Davis. And... I think they set out with good intentions, from what I read, to make action films with to show that a female could carry an action movie. Right. Um, they didn't do themselves or the females in the genre any favors by making movies that weren't all that great. Right. But nowadays, you get more movies with like just women kicking ass. Yeah, like and Charlize like, Theron. Oh, and yeah. Angelina Jolie definitely. has done it. Yeah, and they can sort of pull it off. Even Natalie Portman in yeah. so like some of those action-ish type movies where, I, yeah. where there's just, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. But this movie maybe was ahead of its time. 
Definitely. One hundred percent. I don't think the world was ready, and especially without like we were talking about, you know, an actress that could at that time have pulled off something like this, and we decided like Uma Thurman, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer could have maybe. But like the big stars of the day were not women that you think of as badass is like Julia Roberts and Meg Ryan and Jodie right. Foster and stuff like that. Um, Meg Ryan, I feel like this would have been an interesting role for her, but it was just so outside of what she ever did. And she is like super duper petite, I think, okay. like short as well and, you know, weighs 105 pounds. Right. Gina like, Davis is Gina tall. Davis is a tall drink of water. Yeah. Um, Uma Thurman, that's a good shout. Sharon Stone might could have yeah. done it. We've seen her kick ass before in Total Recall. Right. She definitely could have pulled off the different aspects of the character that this requires. Yeah, like a femme fatale vibe. Right. Well, something that can switch back and forth between, like, mommy and, yeah. and then mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah. So, Gina Davis, you may also remember from, like, League of Their Own and yeah. Delma and Louise. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. I love The her. role, her, her look, her energy in... Uh, the first third of this movie is very much the same vibe she had in Beetlejuice. Correct. Like these long sort of farm dresses and, and long let down hair. Sweaters and Yeah, <laughs> just very much like a small town, uh, you know, yeah. rural woman. This movie also, as we mentioned, starring Samuel L. Jackson, who does, Ugh. like from, from the moment you see him on screen, it's just like, God damn, Sam Jackson is awesome. I... He's, yeah, he elevates every role yeah. that he's in. He does a ton of movies, and some of them not great. Yeah, they're not great. But fuck it, man, he should do more, because he <laughs> he is always awesome. Yeah, he, he was already having a pretty badass career by the time this came out. Like, yeah. he was super busy. Um, but he apparently loved the character of Mitch Hennessy so much, <laughs> he said it was one of the three he'd love the opportunity to play again. That's awesome. The others were Mace Windu. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars and Ordell from Jackie Brown. Oh, Ordell's awesome. Yeah. Jackie Brown fucks hard. Yeah. Um, dude, uh, yeah, I don't get the impression that he says no to a lot of offers, but whether it's snakes on a plane or right. black snake moan or whatever, he's always fucking bringing it. He's made himself ubiquitous by showing up and just, like, tearing yeah. it up. And um, one time, this is one of the few times in my life I've been, like, just starstruck was at my at my place of work uh Sam Jackson was coming through Ooh. to do a he was coming on television to to plug I think a charitable endeavor that he was involved in okay and I saw him we were crossing the street and crossed against each other and I was just like oh my god is that fucking <laughs> Sam Jackson like and I've I've met some minor celebrities or right. some that might be more famous on paper than Sam Jackson, but never have I been more starstruck right. than when I saw him in person. That's awesome. My friend at work has a great fucking story. Um, that this was the same day that, that Sam Jackson was visiting, and he got a picture of him because he worked. This guy works in the studio, and he asked, you know, between whatever before or after the live shot, if he could get a picture with him. And he, you know, Sam Jackson being the cool guy was like, "Yeah, sure." So he gives his camera to his buddy, and uh, and. Sam Jackson like sort of throws an arm around him and he's like, "What's up, man? Why are you shaking?" And uh, <laughs> and the guy with the, awesome. and the guy with the camera was like, "Who me?" And then my friend, who was the one with Sam Jackson, was like, "Yeah, who him?" He's like, "No, you motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Imagine how cool it would be to have had Sam Jackson call you motherfucker." It's a dream of mine. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah, now it's a dream of mine. I love that story, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sam. Sam Jackson is lovable in this movie. Make um, more movies. Drop by anytime. I want you to be a friend of the podcast. Yeah, maybe not so much lovable in this movie as Greg Bierko playing the villainous Timothy. Yeah. I only remember ever seeing him later on as the villain, like villainous Max Baer, the professional boxer in Cinderella Man oh. that Russell Crowe fights. He had bulked up some for that, yeah, hadn't he? Was he swole. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, now that you say that, I remember him in that movie, and I can sort of see the resemblance in the face, but I... Yeah. This guy didn't do a lot before this mm -hmm. and didn't do a whole lot after, but right. I liked him in yeah. this role. Yeah, he's, he did he's, well. He definitely um, he checks the box of villain that enjoys being villain. Yeah. Big yeah. time. He is enjoying it. This cast is rounded out by some all-stars. Yeah. BT dude. dubs. Uh, Brian Cox, the legend. Fuck yeah. Yeah, is in this. David Morse, who's been in a ton of stuff, is in this. Both those dudes 
like Samuel L. Jackson, are always amazing. Yeah. Like, they just, whatever. They bring it, they're workhorses, mm-hmm. they deliver every time. Uh, young Yvonne Zima as Cathead. I mean, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was, she was what she was. Yeah, she was she, a child actor. She's apparently in Iron Man 3. Yeah, she's been in some other Shane Black movies. Okay, I didn't know that. Iron yeah. Man 3 was Shane Black as well oh, yeah, as that's um, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Good Guys. I think she was in both of gotcha. those also. She she looked so familiar to me when I started watching. I'm like, who is this kid? I recognize her. She played Dr. Green's daughter on ER. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who oh, was popped sad. up from yeah. time to time. Yeah, Anthony Edwards' uh, character. And I'm like, oh, I must have known her from ER because I was a, a religious watcher of that show back in the day. Okay. Um, score by Alan Silvestri. Legend. Prolific film composer. You Predator, Forrest Gump, Back to the Future series. Fucking Back to the Future. Oh, I didn't know Forrest Gump was him. Yeah, man. Forrest most, Gump's a solid-ass yeah. score. Most recently, Avengers Endgame. Okay. I didn't realize that. Um, and about a million other things. He's written some of the most memorable, like, scores in film. That's right. Pretty awesome. Uh, and then written for A Fortune <laughs> yeah. by Shane Black. Who also got a producer credit, probably just strictly that was part of his deal yeah. with to give them the script. He's a action script writing legend, right. though. Despite the fact that he doesn't have as many titles as I would have guessed. Yeah, just the ones that he pumps out are ones that stand the test of yeah, time, I guess. Yeah, so he, he wrote Lethal Weapon as a young man. Oh, like, sucks. he was 23 or something like That's that when crazy. he sold the script for Lethal Weapon. He also acted in Predator. Okay. He was Hawkins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't realize He was Hawkins, that. kind of the okay. nerdy guy in the crew, yeah. and did some work, I think, on the set, like, pop, like making some of the jokes funnier on Predator. I think he got cast specifically because uh, the producer knew that this was a funny guy. And we, if we have him here, we can milk him for some jokes or That's whatever awesome. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wrote Monster Squad. Problematic now when you uh, go back and watch were it. Were you a fan back, back when you were a younger guy? My brothers guy? wore that VHS out, loved that movie. And so it's funny because I got Prime. Uh-huh. and saw that it was on there. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to relive my childhood and started playing it. I was like, I can't watch the rest of this movie. I think it's I... That bad. It's like, it's a problem. I never saw it until the past year and when I saw it on Prime probably, I was like, oh, that's Shane Black. I want to see what his writing is like. Right. And it was not great. I get the impression that was one of those situations where Lethal Weapon had come out and been amazing and they were just like, what else do you have that's already finished? Like, what do you have that we can put into production tomorrow? Right. And he's like, oh, I got this one, Monster Squad. And they're like, we'll take it. <laughs> Done. It puts all of the, like, the famous, uh, like, horror movie villains, like, pits them against yes. a group of, like, high school like, kids. It's like, kind of like Goonies. It's kind of Goonies-ish. It's very Goonies-ish, but with, like, classic Hollywood monsters. Yeah. So it was an interesting premise. Yeah. Not a great it's just some of product. Some of the script, when you're listening to it, is just... It made me uncomfortable yeah. now in an era of wokeness. <laughs> um, but after that, Shane Black, he wrote Last Boy Scout, okay. which was great. Yeah. At the time, it, it sold. I think it was the most expensive script ever sold. All right. Then he wrote uh, Last Action Hero. Interesting yeah. movie. It was That was one we'll have to talk about. Yeah. It's so ahead of its time and meta and kind of genius watching it now. Yeah, for sure. But when it came out, audiences were not ready, and it tanked. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so this movie was put out by New Line, which at the time was sort of like an up-and-coming studio. Yeah, known more for, like, indie art-type films than big-budget action stuff. And it was a rough year for them this year. How so? Well, they also released the now infamous Isle of Dr. Moreau. Oh, which, I remember seeing that in the theaters that well, year, I guess, and feeling like, what is this garbage? Starring Marlon Brando at just, like, the end of his yes. sanity, and Val Kilmer probably also getting towards the end of his, like, sanity. Actually, Directed by Frank Oz, I think. No, 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 no That's no, no, another no. movie. I got a story Richard for you. Richard Stanley. If you've never gone out and seen the documentary Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Isle of Dr. Moreau, you simply must. Okay. I have not, so it, I will. It's basically about how this guy, Richard Stanley, was looked at as this, you know, young up-and-coming auteur, and they were like, we got to get this raw young talent to do this movie, and he had this incredible uh-huh. vision for it, but it was just like, within a matter of weeks, he, he like basically disappeared as a pariah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, was it 
ruined by Marlon Brando. It was. You have to watch the documentary. Okay. It's too much to get it. Like we could do a whole like. We could do a whole episode or nine on that documentary. It's so batshit crazy. I'm ready for it. Yes. What I was thinking about was the movie The Score with uh, Marlon Brando and, and uh, Edward Norton right. and De Niro. Should have been amazing. Yeah. Directed by Frank Oz. And it was famous because Marlon Brando made Frank Oz direct him in the Miss Piggy voice the whole movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Marlon Brando was a <laughs> twisted, twisted soul. I don't know why. I mean, he got cast in these movies because he's Marlon Brando. Um, but he sounds like he was more trouble than he's worth yeah. late in the career there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but this script, the first script ever to sell for $4 million, the most expensive screenplay ever at the time. It's crazy to think that it, the, a script that sold for $4 million and was an action movie wasn't something that Arnold bought. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. He, that he didn't pay for it. That someone <laughs> else did. Yeah, that... That blows my mind. That's a lot of damn money for a script. I don't know what scripts yeah. sell for nowadays. Maybe if it's a hot script and there's a bidding war, it gets up like that. Like a million or something? Yeah. I don't know. I have to do some research on it. But $4 million is a lot of money. That's so, pretty yeah. good. So it was made for sixty-five. Right. So it ended up making close to ninety worldwide. So very modest success. Very modest success. I think that people were like skeptical because it was Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis yes. like tag teaming again to try to make a movie. Well, and, the previous effort had been such a disaster. Right. People were just wary of going to see anything that these two were putting out. It's like, oh. Which is a shame because actually it's it's got its weird moments, but overall sure. it's like a solid, solid action movie. It's definitely better than some of the other movies that have received the treatment. Are you talking about Tango and Cash right now? Always. <laughs> I'm always talking about Tango uh, and Cash. Yeah. No, Cash. this is what I like this type of movie because it's equal parts like killer action set pieces and some really good stuff. And then some stuff that just makes you scratch your head and ask, what are you watching right now? And then there's Samuel L. Jackson and some other humorous moments. That's true. But it's like he he carries it. I would watch him do literally anything <laughs> literally read the alphabet off a napkin <laughs> or yeah yeah hey motherfucker <laughs> hey it's for apple motherfucker i love it um well i guess we should dive into the plot before we yeah spend any more there's time a lot of plot to talk about talking about how yeah this movie this movie's a little longer than some of the other ones that we do too it's a little over two hours long it's just also got so much happening yeah it like does. every moment is filled with more and more story even the opening credits <laughs> so we get our opening shot of the movie uh, is someone writing the names first samantha then in like a reverse photo negative effect we see the name charlene being written yes we also see a hand like slash with a knife through the frame which is interesting <laughs> there's just a lot happening already just so yeah and then we switch back from the photo negative to like photo real like color we see some like family photos gina davis and some man and a little girl so we get like oh, must be her family right um then the photo negative thing happens again and we see gina davis photo on a, like a cia personnel file and we see like a reel-to-reel -reel tape rolling with the name like baltimore comma charlie do you think that negative, the whole like negative effect, was all of this sequence heavy-handed? Yes. Or like it's... I think by the time the credits, opening credits end, you know what this movie's about, which is a real shame. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same no, page. No, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I was watching it again, and I was like, I remember all this, but I also remember thinking, well, now I know what this whole movie's about. Now, granted, yeah, I can leave now. <laughs> granted, like a 13, 14-year-old me probably, probably had no idea what was going on. And I should mention that the first time I ever saw this movie... Um, was at a Bible study. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so it was like summer when, when the youth group wasn't like meeting regularly on Sunday nights. And so smaller groups were meeting for Bible study. And we were over at this couple's house, like a big group of us. And like after the Bible study, they're like, we're, we're going to watch a movie. We think it's a romantic comedy. It's called Long Kiss Goodnight. I think, oh, I think, shit. I think it's because it had like Samuel L. Jackson in it. So they must have thought it was like something funny. They popped it in and we had no idea what was going on. And like we're immediately floored by the carnage. How many minutes in was it before they popped the tape out? Or did they No, we finish? watched the whole thing. Shit. Yeah, it was, okay. it was amazing. We were all laughing our heads off. It was great. So everyone was up for everyone a, was a hard R? Oh, yeah. Okay. Everyone was up for a hard right. R. Um, yeah, we switched back to color. We see lipstick on a, like a table, a Christmas present with a handwritten name, Samantha Kane, superimposed over it. 
Back to negative, we see the name Charlene Elizabeth Baltimore and Gina Davis looking through the scope of a sniper rifle. <laughs> it's, they're telling us a lot. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like this whole movie, they're trying to cram maybe three hours of story into two right. hours. So I'll just, we'll cut to the chase. We see more of this. We see the name Samantha Kane and the name Charlene Elizabeth Baltimore like superimposed together. So yes. we get to like, one of these two people's real, but they're both real. Very clear. It's like a, it's some sort of an identity crisis right. thing is going to be happening. Um, and then we get the first non-credit shot opening on like Thank an God. idyllic looking New England town in the wintertime. Yeah. It looks like Stowe, Vermont to me or somewhere. I've never been, but yeah, it looks like, as, as you would imagine, a, just a beautiful, uh, yes. idyllic setting. It's Love me fucking incredible. New England in the wintertime. I'm here for it. Uh, it's snowing in Honesdale. Wait, I don't know. Is that Honesdale. what it is? Yeah, I think, it's either upstate, I think it's supposed to be upstate New York. I think you're right, yeah. The Strains of Santa Claus is Back in Town by Elvis Presley starting to play. Right. Kevin, is this a Christmas movie? I mean, it's it doesn't reach the level of Die Hard right. as a Christmas movie, but yeah, it's clearly... There's a lot of Christmas music yeah. and, and decorations imagery. and everything throughout. So I'm going to give it a big thumbs up. Yes, Christmas. And that's, movie. And that's why we're telling you about it at Christmas time. So happy holidays. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, warm returns to you and yours. That's right. So we see uh, like a holiday parade's happening, and the town folk have all turned out for it. Um, and driving a wagon with a truly terrible Santa is Samantha Kane, who's dressed up as Mrs. Santa Claus. Dude, I was a big fan of the cinematography of the movie. Like, I thought yeah. the look of it all looked super lush, and yeah. watching it in HD was like, the picture is so sharp and crisp, and the colors are, like, popping and everything yeah. like that. I love that we get some, like, towny ruffian screaming, Mrs. Claus is hot! <laughs> Which is true if you're into Gina Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in, like, tall, statuesque Gina Davis. Nothing wrong with that. No, her, her jawline is, like... It's like a statue. It's just like uh, yeah. her features are so striking. She is. She looks like a different species of yeah. of organism. That's a very very good. Yeah, it's a good thought. Um, we then get a first person VO as she introduces herself. My name is Samantha Kane. At least I think <laughs> it is. And so like right off. Yeah, it's it's our suspicions from the credits are immediately confirmed. Did we talk about how rough that Santa Claus looked? Yeah, we talked about how he looks terrible. <laughs> He's like fucking Dan Aykroyd. Like trading places or, or bad Santa. <laughs> yes. Billy Bob. It was like a dirty beard. Yeah, it's he's not they didn't pay top dollar for that. <laughs> um that, that man's like the head of the Chamber of Commerce or something. Um she explains that she was, quote, born eight years ago on a beach in New Jersey wearing unfamiliar clothes and in her pocket was a key. Yes. Um, and as she's given us the rundown, we see her like doing some domestic activities like making paper mache snowmen and rice krispie treats and vacuuming and uh, so, so in screenwriting class, yeah, we were taught that like do it, having voiceover is yeah. a, is a lazy writer's trick. Uh -huh. Like that's when you can't figure out how to relay information naturally, right. and you just add a voiceover. But I mean, sometimes it's what I don't. It's it's odd in this movie because I feel like this is the only voiceover we get. It is the entire the, yeah. film. It definitely is. But like you look at a movie like a uh, maybe High Fidelity or something like this. Right. Where or a Shawshank Redemption, and it sort of is awesome. Well, yeah, because yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily lazy. It makes it feel like it's more of a chron like in those situations, it feels like a chronicle, like you're hearing the back, yeah. like a story being told. So I think if it's done the right way, it doesn't feel that right. way. And Shane Black certainly is a dude who likes to write. So I don't we, know. He's we were got pointing, skill. Yeah, we were pointing out the similarities between this and like the Bourne movie. Yeah. So, did Bourne? I don't think Bourne ever had a no, that's the voiceover. There, there was yeah, no it voiceover, but to. I'm thinking about what if it did. I was fished out of the water off Marseille yeah, it, two weeks ago. I think all things being equal, it's better if you don't use the yeah. voiceover. Sure. And but yeah. sometimes you do, and it's great. Yeah. Forrest Gump did. Yeah. <laughs> that absolutely. movie's awesome. <laughs> sometimes, like, yeah, sometimes it works. Also interesting is that Sam Kane, uh, Gina Davis's character's name, is an anagram for amnesiac. Oh. Clever. Yeah. I like it. I like little things like that. Um, yeah, she says that sometimes she stands naked in the mirror. Don't we all? <laughs> and tries to guess her age. Uh, we, we see her doing so, and she's also got, like, lots of scars. She's, like, pointing out she's got lots of, like, scars and cuts and things all, yeah. all over her body. There's a, so we're intrigued. Yeah. Not the least of which reason she's standing just naked in the mirror. Um, but <laughs> she tells us that she's got what they, what they call... Focal retrograde amnesia, which is a thing. Yes. Um, and she says she's learned to live with it. It seems like I, I tried to research, and uh, as best I could understand, 
it is when you've lost your past memories, but you're normal functioning now, and you can form new memories. Right. You just can't remember yeah, it's like the, the past. The focal being that there was an event or something happened, like there was a point. And nothing which, before that? Correct. Yeah, okay. Um, she also tells us that she's taken up teaching, which looks like she's teaching like the fifth grade or whatever, and she says she's been seeing someone, a nice guy with a good sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, his name is Hal which we learn from pretty humorous exchanges <laughs> as she and, and he are walking down a snowy sidewalk. He's like, Hal, I got to tell you, of all the Christmas pageants I've ever seen, this was by far the most recent. <laughs> yes, That's it was. Good. It, yeah. Shane Black, I feel like his percentage of jokes landing is about 50-50. Like, sometimes, for me, they crash and burn. Yeah. And sometimes they well, hit a home run. Well, sometimes, like in Tango and Cash, they're just not necessary. They yeah. just weren't needed. Yeah. But whatever. Um, as they're walking up the driveway, the camera pans up to a treehouse, and we see, or, yeah, she IDs the little girl. One of the little girls playing therein is her daughter, Caitlin. And so apparently when Samantha woke up, she was two months pregnant uh-huh. with no idea who the father is, obviously. Um, Caitlin's a little lispy, telling her <laughs> friends that her, petty, her teddy bear's name is Mr. Perkins <laughs> and that her mom named the bear. When you have a, When you drop in a plot detail like, I don't know who the dad is. I may never know. Right. That is such a juicy detail. You know, we're going we're to gonna get we're going to get that answer before this movie's over. Well, that's one of the things about this movie too is that Shane Black telegraphs a shit ton of stuff. Yeah. Like he he'll linger too long, or Rennie well, Harlan will linger. Be, I've yeah, that on Rennie the director. Yeah. yeah. But like even in the script, like some of the things, like saying I don't have, I don't know who the father is. Yeah. Well, that means we're gonna know, and then or Rennie Harlan will like linger on an object and it's like yeah. that object's gonna you know whatever do you so I say that mo- usually they're gonna pay off something but we've also talked about some movies where they lay in a mystery that then never gets explained later That's the so, best. so <laughs> I don't know which one's more uh, annoying <laughs> I feel like having, having one built in and then never paid off is more annoying yeah because then you've spent they're trolling the audience yeah when exactly you do that. yeah uh the girls that are all in the trailers are talking about how samantha has amnesia and when she pops up and tells caitlin to come help in the kitchen she says hurry up because i forgot where it is i'm not sure how how do you feel about gina davis's performance as samantha kane i'm i'm fine with her performance throughout the whole movie i know that you kind of take issue with it being a little derpy i mean i've seen the movie like now in my lifetime maybe three times all right. within the last week and she just doesn't come off as natural but maybe that was a performance choice i think it comes across as like someone who's just trying to figure not even trying to figure stuff out but she's like good natured and has a good sense of humor and she tries to make light of the fact that she like that'd be super frustrating every day you think about it to be a amnesiac yeah that you would just like yeah yeah and i think if it comes off as that she's a little awkward in her life then that might actually just be a performance choice that she sure. made because she's not sure who she really is. Yeah, like she seems like a decent enough actress from from what I've seen of her and her Other career. roles and yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to chalk it up to this is a, a, a choice that Gina oh, yeah. Davis made. She made the choice to be kind of like derpy and <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> she is. So back inside the house later, one guesses there's a Christmas party going on. Uh-huh. And she's like cruising around with cookies and sipping wine in See, her Christmas sweater. I'm calling it... That that makes this a Christmas movie. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we should also do Jingle All the Way at some point. Ooh, that's definitely a Christmas <laughs> it's, movie. It's, it's so not uh, our traditional action, blood and guts, but Jesus Christ, that is a movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> also, we get a monologue from the character of Hal, a terribly besweatered Hal. He's like giving a <laughs> toast. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the actor is Tom Amandes. Yeah. If I'm saying that right, or Amandes. Yeah. But, um... I thought he was good. I don't know him from really anything, but he was, he was such a, he seemed like he was like an actor's actor. Yeah. Like he was really channeling earnest. I don't know what it it is about him because I couldn't find anything else really about him online, but he just seems like a theater actor. Like he's. That would make sense. He was inhabiting a character. Yeah, absolutely. Believable, earnest and bewildered and confused and like bringing it all. But anyway, he says, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't swear. Oh shit. I do smoke and drink. That brought the fucking house down. Yeah, especially the (laughs) drunk old guy. But then he says, may the best of your past be the worst of your future. You ever heard that? I've never heard it. No. And I I stopped and thought about it a lot. And it does make sense, but I'm not sure that it's like, yeah, Yeah. it's convoluted. It makes you think. It's a thinker. May, May nothing be as bad as shit that's already happened, is what he's saying. Yeah, may the future all be better than the 
best thing from your past? Than the worst thing. Or the thing worst thing from your past? Yeah. May the best of your past be the worst of your f- future. Yeah. So he wants it to all be good. Yeah. Yes. Like, may it all be good. Everything should be better than the best thing that's happened. Exactly. Um, it's corny, but that drunk old dude likes it. <laughs> he really did. He is into it. Um, then there's a bit with some mistletoe, and the old man is also into that. He's like, he, he likes to watch. Yeah. Um, the VO comes back on, and she says that except for her name, all traces are lost, and that she used to hire expensive detectives, but now she's just hiring cheap ones. How long do you think she's been with Hal? Not the full uh, the full eight years or close no, to? No, no. I think she's okay. probably been with him for maybe a couple of years, yeah. I would think. Okay. The first time I was watching and not paying enough attention, I thought it was like this was the family unit. I mean, I'm wondering. But yeah, it's not his How much daughter. time do you spend in a hospital or some kind of institution not knowing who you are before they just turn you loose? Uh, good question. Yeah. I guess if they're confident you can function, yeah. then it, maybe it wouldn't be that long, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm saying it would like take her, or it would take me, I'm trying to think like, some years to get my feet on the ground yeah. and feel comfortable. They're living together, so it's at least a year. Yeah, maybe a few years. I would say it's more. Yeah, more than a couple. Um, yeah, she says the woman I used to be. She's gone. I've kissed her goodnight. Mm. We can more or less turn ah. the movie off now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah. I guess that's the the origin of the title right for Shane Black. Um, there's an abrupt cut to elsewhere where a man is being forcibly thrown through a closed door or a couple of guys are thrown through a door. Yeah. And inside the room, a woman and a man are in bed, uh, like in a lascivious nature. It looks like they're, they're, they're <laughs> nude. They were in a way. Um, and in strolls Sam Jackson as the ludicrously named Mitch Hennessy. <laughs> who has bu- he's busted in with two other guys and announces he's police and tells him not to move. Dude, his yeah, his wardrobe Ugh. choices in this movie, incredible. Sartorial choices are top of the line. He was wearing this like double breasted trench coat and the little like hat pulled like, down low. Like Henry Fonda like <laughs> hat from <laughs> on Golden Pond. Like, he a reminded me hat. of um it was not unlike the way that a John Doe dressed in Seven. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was like just a very cool, like cutting a cutting a slim figure. Yeah, I like when he said, "You make it, when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you, an umption." <laughs> what was yes? It's so that's the that's the beauty of Shane Black. Yeah, is that some of his jokes just make you laugh undeniably. And also, I think it's just Samuel Jackson says it. And he's just yeah. Oh, yeah. in it. There's no line that he can't sell. No, so he says that he is Sergeant Madison with the Vice Squad. And then there's this whole bit about ass-fucking, which is amazing. He just goes on and it on. It was weird. He's like, if you, if you, whatever, I'll get, I'll send you to jail. You're going to be getting ass-fucked for the next 10 years. And if you if you beat the rap because I'm too rough with you, I'll personally hire men to ass-fuck you for the next 10 years. So if you're into ass-fucking, like, <laughs> it just keeps going on, but yeah. it's great because it's Sam. The dude in bed is um, Rex Lynn. Yeah. I remember he was one of the main bad guys in Cliffhanger. Okay. He was like another Rennie Harlan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, like yeah. the uh, the the evil FBI or Secret Service or whatever right. agent. Also, he was in Better Call Saul uh, recently, yeah. the head that's, of Mesa Verde Banks. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, he tells the guy, Sam tells the guy in the bed that he's under arrest for the crime of prostitution, which you're you're going to be under arrest for. When soliciting. he said that, and I didn't know what's going on in this movie, I'm like, that's not yeah, that's right. Not or is he talking first. to the woman or the oh, man no. here? And he tells one of the other guys, the guys that came with him, who just looked completely like <laughs> out of it, to read the man in bed his rights. And the guy looks confused, and he looks drunk. He like he's out of it completely. Yeah, that was funny. And he has to tell him again, and he starts to Mirandize the guy in bed <laughs> with. You have the room, right? You have the right to. <laughs> it's funny. Pretty, I feel like yeah, I've seen enough movies that I know my Miranda rights, but yeah. I'm not drunk yet. But so, like this totally yeah. lands. You have the right, uh, the right to remain silent. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. you, get, you get the feeling that this is the first time he's ever tried to do this. Whoever this guy is, um, and, and then he just sits down. <laughs> he does. He just goes and pops a squat in the corner of the room. Then Mitch starts uh, in on the guy by degrading the hooker. <laughs> I love that line, dude. I, he he says, "Look, I can tell from, from I can tell from your choice here that you're not a wealthy man." That is amazing. <laughs> and the look on her face, she's like, "Oh, come on!" I laughed 
alone in my house, I laughed out loud so hard when he said that yes. line. And the woman, yeah, the woman looks so hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so he says that they can come to an arrangement. So he's he's blackmailing the guy. Absolutely. Um, and then the drunk guy confirms our suspicions because he just churls all over the floor. <laughs> just like... <laughs> that was an amazing scene. Yeah. Like, it's... It, has no bearing much on the rest of the story, but an amazing scene. It's an amazing intro for our boy, Sam. Sure. Um, cut to an office where the hooker turns out to not be a hooker. She's Trin, Mitch's assistant, and she's <laughs> counting out money and telling Mitch that he needs to stop hiring bums to be, right. <laughs> to be his actor. I guess bums work for the least money, probably. Right, <laughs> With, for, for like just booze money or heroin. This is uh, Melina Kanakakarides, or Kana... I've heard her on TV before. She says, she says it's pronounced Kanakarides. All right. It's That's like a can, it's like a can of Karides, is what she said. Melina yeah. is beautiful to me. Oh my gosh, yeah. I know her from I don't know what TV stuff, maybe? Yeah, she's been on tons of TV. But things. yeah, she's a, a true beauty. Also, that office... It's a nice room. Where, they're in New York? They're, yeah, somewhere. It looked in like overlooking Times Square almost. Like it looked like high end real estate. They could not afford that. It not must on, be like, <laughs> yeah, not on the type of, not if they're hustling. Right. Whatever, uh, Johns. As they're talking back and forth, uh, Mitch notices a file with Amnesia Chick written on it. <laughs> and Trin says that she's got movement on Samantha Kane. Yeah. Uh, so he's apparently working on that case. These are the aforementioned cheap detectives? Right, yeah, exactly. Okay. She's like, now I can only afford like bottom-of-the-barrel ones. Yeah. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. She says that she may have a lead on someone who rented Amnesia Chick an apartment in 1987. Uh-huh. Um, and a relative of that now-deceased landlord says that they may have some of Samantha's stuff, but they only know that because they found a credit card and tried to use it. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, I guess, a Samantha Kane credit card. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, which, what credit card wouldn't have been past its expiration date exactly. this many years yeah. later? Well, Any yeah, of the, the person that found it, obviously not too bright. But Mitch loves it, and he tells Trent, like, let's call Amnesia Chick and tell her we need more cash. That's how you make a, make a living. Yeah. Cut to elsewhere. Um, Let It Snow is playing as Samantha's driving the old drunk man from the party home uh, <laughs> from what he says was a really swell party. This dude, I thought he was bringing, like, Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> Energy. Totally. Like, he, even his face, the rosy cheeks yeah, yeah. and, like, red nose, just shit-faced. Um, he then very inappropriately asks how often she and Hal bone by mimicking the sex act with his hands, like, <laughs> doing a finger through the, through, like, all the Yes. Hole. And she definitely counters with what? Stick our fingers in our hands and pull them out again? Every chance we get. That's, that was brilliant. That's a pretty great comeback. Yeah. Uh, she then calls him out for being drunk, and to try to prove he's not, he starts to, like, give himself a, a very disruptive sobriety test. Yes. But you think he was also trying to cop a feel Oh, no, yeah. He was doing that thing, like, trying to touch his, close his eyes and touch his nose. Right. Thing, but when he extended the arm, he definitely like went for her bosom. And she's like, "Hey, she's stop. like, hey, stop that!" But and then he gets like super. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really weird. He's like starting to drunk cry. Um, yeah. So she looks up at, from the distraction of uh, Uncle Billy, and there's a deer in the middle of the road. She slams yeah. on the brakes, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, um, that, that deer came right through the windshield. That's scary. It kicks Uncle Billy in the face. I mean, I've heard of people like you can hit a deer and total your car, and or. Hit a or, deer and die. Or die, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> if it comes right through the windshield. Um, the deer kicks the old guy in the face. Samantha's oh, yeah. screaming. The car careens off the road, hits a tree, and then some dude goes <laughs> flying out of the some car. Dude, dressed some, as dude, a woman. some dude in a dress and a wig. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool-looking stunt, though. Yeah. I'm sure that can, they that pre-human wasn't actually ejected from a car. I think they were probably flung off some other apparatus. Like a, yeah, some beside kind of the hydraulic car. lift that just shot him up in the air or something. But... So she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, I guess. Right. Uncool. It's a different time. I guess so. No, no, we all wore seatbelts. It really wasn't. Um, Yeah, but it was a hell of a stunt. Yeah. Um, We see cuts showing the aftermath. Samantha's not moving. The car's crunched into the tree and catches on fire. And the old drunk guy is passed out or dead. We're not really sure. I I bet he's not dead yet. Um, But yeah, she comes to or starts to to wake up a little bit. She looks terrifying. Oh, like blood a mat, half her. half a face of blood. Yeah. Um, then what? She's having like these. Well, she sees like flashes of the accident that just happened, but we also see like a real quick shot of like a smiling, bloody mouth. Uh huh. And then a blonde version of her, like, like in a second, in less a than quick a second, split second thing. Yeah. Um, then we see the deer's like moaning, and that brings her out of whatever flashback she was having, whatever right. psychotic episode. And then barefoot, 
she walks through the snow in a creek over to the deer, just like seemingly oh. unbothered by the snow. She's like, that would chill you to the bone. Yeah, yeah, like some frostbite. I got the impression she was going to help the guy out of the car. I thought so too at first, the first time I saw this, <laughs> because. When they show the car, like the door, the passenger side door just kind of opens, and you think that he's trying to get out, but then you see he's like passed out, unconscious. Yeah, he's gonna burn up if not saved. But she couldn't be bothered to go up to the car. Instead, she walks over to the deer, grabs it by its antlers, and with a swift motion breaks its neck. And you're gonna need like some strength to do that, I feel like. Oh, yeah. The deer is that's like all muscle, the deer is yeah. not like cooperating. There's also this like ominous musical cue. Yeah. Like, whoa, who is this woman? <laughs> uh, yeah, so she puts the deer out of its misery. She then crumples to the ground and passes out. So <laughs> I guess Uncle Billy died. I think he burned up in there. Yeah. Um, then we cut to the outside of the Jersey Correctional Facility. You see, it, you said it looks sort of like comic Oh, yeah, dude, it was like a full-on... Like complete comic book shit. There were these floodlight, like big spotlights, yeah. just scanning, and it was probably raining or snowing or something. It was like something out of Sin City. Yeah, guards with guns, guards with dogs. Everyone's. It's very ominous looking. Like Arkham yeah. Asylum or Sin City Definitely. or something crazy, like a Frank, Frank Miller type thing. I love we we hear the voice of a news reporter say, so much for the skydiving Santa of Hutchison County. (laughs) (laughs) This movie has no regard for human life. (laughs) We guess that dude died. Um, Then the reporter says that uh, WICC News was in Honesdale that day for the big parade makes a sexist joke about how hot Mrs. Kringle was. No matter how small the town or how small the market, the parade should not be making the news, I don't think. You don't think so? No information was relayed. It was just, here's some B-roll of the parade and the anchor just perving on Samantha Kane. Yeah. We then see an inmate watching the news. He sees Samantha on the footage and freaks out. Yes. You gotta be fucking kidding. Uh-huh. He's like like jumping up onto the TV. Like trying to like rip it out of the wall in the cage that it's in. Yeah, it's nuts. No fucking way. It's impossible. He's like, yeah, he's freaking out. So I thought they were it was weird there's no other inmates around. Like Yeah. It, in the rec room, like, what else do you got to do but watch TV? Yeah, I don't know what this guy did. Maybe he gets, maybe he's, like, in solitary or something. Uh, and he maybe he gets, gets his own, time like, hour in the room or something. Because they know he'll kill anyone that he's around. Yeah, he definitely had uh, issues. And he had one, like, sort of scarred over eye or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like, there's, or no, I couldn't even tell. It's just like, yeah, there's tell? A, an empty socket or something. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Um, cut to a hospital where Hal is visiting Samantha. She's asleep or unconscious. The... Bandage on her head was ridiculous. It was it was high. It was like it was like yeah, just wrapped. It looked like um, what? Like Toad from Mario Brothers or something. <laughs> it looks like it a looked turban. Like, it looked like Turban Quaid from yeah. uh. From, yes, it did. It definitely <laughs> from did. Total Recall. Wrap that towel around your head. Um, Hal kisses her eyelid, which I mean, I'm, I guess I've done go that for before. The eye kiss, yeah, yeah, go for an eye kiss, but. Um, the camera zooms in on that eye, which is, like, starting to twitch and tweak a little bit. Okay. And and it starts a dream sequence. You're right. This movie's... Ne- it brings you plenty of flashbacks and dreams. Yeah. And- um, Samantha's standing in her hospital gown in this dream in front of a mirror on a cliffside at night. Uh-huh. Uh, where she she's looking scared. Her reflection is smirking back. And like blood's running down its forehead. It was like a head wound or something, yeah. yeah. Um, her demonic looking reflection says, I want a cigarette. <laughs> and Samantha says, I don't smoke. Yeah. She's like, You used to. And then suddenly there's a cigarette in both of their hands. That's right. Um, but then when Samantha looks back up, her reflection now has like short, slick back blonde hair, and they're both smoking. And the reflection says, I'm coming back. You know that, don't you? Name's Charlie, by the way. You're going to love me. <laughs> Fuck, man. Rennie Harlan, dude. I don't know how they do things in Finland, <laughs> but you're in America now, dude. Like, this is Hollywood, and this shit is just weird. It is very... It's an artistic choice. It was kind of like a, a hack channeling David Lynch or something. Yeah, yeah, I can see it that. It was like weird, just weird uh, non sequiturs and like meant to be super scary, but it was more cheesy to me personally, I think. I think that you also could have... And maybe it's just because they wanted her to say some lines as this alter ego. Yeah. But wouldn't it have been just as effective if she hadn't said anything? Yeah. Maybe more effective? I, 
I've seen a million movies with a million amnesia flashbacks. Yeah. And like, this ain't it. <laughs> like, Jason Bourne did it right. Oh, man. We'll make probably a lot of Bourne references because it's a very similar type of plot. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And, trying to, and, uh, and in uh, some characters. A spy with amnesia trying to figure out their past. Who am I? Um, but yeah, this was just... This was borderline laughable to yeah, me. Yeah, agreed. Um, we got a cut to some time later. We get a glimpse into Mitch's life. Yeah, so some character development with Mitch sitting on a stoop with a young boy explaining about the toy he's brought with him to give, I guess. So Mitch was rocking the leather jacket yeah. over the top of a turquoise track jacket yeah. style. It's cold. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it was interesting. I love, but I'm on board with all of his fashion choices. Uh, yeah, agree. It's just they are unique. They are. He's his own man. So a disapproving woman uh, comes and calls the boy inside. His name's Todd. She says, time for dinner. She is not excited to see Mitch. Not at all. Not excited that, that Mitch and the little boy are spending time together. So that's obviously his son. Um, the boy starts to explain to Mitch that his mom gets weird when Mitch brings presents because she thinks that they're probably stolen. Most um, likely because he, Mitch, was a thief we, at one point what, in his that's life. That's what we assume. Yeah. And then Todd says, I can't accept this. You know how mom is. Well, Mitch says, tell your mom I, I don't steal anything locally. That's right. That's <laughs> great. Um, we then get a great blast from the past. Um, Mitch gets a page from Trin and calls her on a payphone. Love it. Yes. I love the blast from the past. Do you... Do you own a? Did you ever own a pager? You remember, we've talked about this on this show, baby. Have we? Uh, oh yeah, I've forgotten. I owned a pager the first two years we were roommates. I w- look, I was so drunk, I honestly, <laughs> honestly. don't remember. <laughs> um, I had a pager too, like junior senior year of high school. Yeah. I think I I probably didn't get a cell phone until I was off to college. I didn't get one until third year, maybe of wow. undergrad. They were blowing you up on yeah. the pager. It was just my parents. It was terrible. No ladies. No. You had some, I'm sure you had some, some dolls give, paging you. I did not give girls my pager number. Really? I don't think so. What about your, uh, what about your clients? Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, for okay. sure my clients had my, had my pager number. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. pagers, that's just, that is a piece that's of technology that was technology. short-lived and was cool in the moment that it was cool. Doctors still use them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Doctors still use like them. Like there's an emergency, you need to come to the you hospital need to come or down to surgery. Okay. So typically, I think they just use them in the hospital. Mm. But they're like, they're way fancier than they are now. They have like, they're... I'm sure you get text text now instead of just a yeah. series of numbers that, exactly. you have to, that you have to decipher. <laughs> exactly. That was always a game. Like when I would have a, my girlfriend in high school would send me long pages and I'm like trying to figure out what does this say? My parents were always like, you're, if you get a page that's 911, it's us, and call right away. Okay. My parents were psychopaths, so the only pages we ever got were 911. It's and like how, they abused the system. And what, it was always like, where are you? What time are you going to be was home? The, yeah, well, I was going to say, what was the most My parents were random thing that they 911'd you for? Where are you? Where are you? When, what time are you going to be home? Were you even planning to come home? Yes. Like, were you late? Yeah, well, I mean, well, when are you going to be here? My, my parents are just sort of overbearing. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Were they paying the pager bill, I yeah. hope? Okay, yeah, of good. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, once I switched over to a payphone, that was all me. But, yeah, they were cool. paying the, payphone, or the pager bill. Um, so, Trent tells Mitch that the landlady said Samantha was her favorite tenant. And then one day, she just never came back. Among the belongings they found was a postcard saying she's engaged with handwriting that's a perfect match for Samantha's. Cool. So she was engaged to some dude in Jersey, no phone number, just an address. Mitch is stoked. When they first were, when Tren and Mitch were talking about having found the, you know, the old landlord in a a lead. Right. I got the impression that they weren't all that serious about getting to the bottom of this case as much as they were just about getting money, right. more money out of Samantha Kane. But right. it seems like they're pretty serious about it now. No, he seems like a professional. Uh, yeah, he's excited. He says Trent has earned time and a half, to which she replies she wants double because other PIs couldn't find Dick. <laughs> he said uh, to her, of course not. Took a true dick hound like yourself. Uh, Jesus. that I don't know if that flies in 2020 if you get a harassment claim. But then again, shes I guess she's on board to do some shit because she's willing to like go into rooms yeah. with... With She's going to pose as a prostitute. Four with marks. Yes. Johns. Um, yeah, so he says to tell Samantha he's going to see her that night. Um, cut to a charming white house. Uh, inside, Samantha and Hal are preparing dinner while Caitlin's in there coloring or some other. Uh, Whatever they were watching on TV was weird. 
That was like, like the dog, dog, barking. Was dog barking the the song Jingle Bells. Nice. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is watching this? I would that just annoyed they want me. Even the music in the, the background. Split second to seeing it on screen annoyed yeah. me. Yeah, Samantha's cutting up some carrots apparently too slowly for how she like cuts <laughs> herself, and he asks like, "Let me do it," and she's like, "You're gonna eat the blood soaked pieces now. Piss off." Uh huh. Weird. Um, without finishing the carrot she's been chopping, she grabs another carrot and starts just going, like, top chef on it. <laughs> she was shredding these carrots. She seems like, confused by her actions. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. It was, yeah, her hands were, like, moving independently of her body, it yeah. seemed like. Um, she calls House. She's like, hey, babe, look at what I'm doing. He's also very confused. I'm confused why she's not cutting up the whole carrot. That's also just an old amnesia trope when, like, a person... Like, by rote muscle yeah. memory does yeah. a thing that they don't seem to know what it is that they're doing. Like Jason Bourne taking out those cops in the park yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, she's suddenly very excited, thinking this is something she maybe used to do. Maybe she was a chef. Um, <laughs> and she's like, give me more veg! His facial expression was like pure wonderment. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we cue a weird choice from Alan Silvestri. It sounds like the like intro music to like Three Men and a Baby or something. It's, it's like... like da, da, it's like, it's some like jazzy, music. sort of light-hearted jazzy. I don't even know. It's some schla- some but corporate schlock. It was. It sounded like a yeah. It's something that would come off of a a disc of just stock music. Yeah, and she is cutting every vegetable in the house. She's like, "Give me, throw me more, throw me more." It's like peppers, tomatoes. Yeah, everyone is elated. <laughs> Suddenly, she balances the knife on a finger, catches a tomato in midair, throws it, and skewers it into a cabinet by throwing the knife. Weird. And things take a dark turn because of <laughs> the music. <laughs> and she says, chefs do that. Um, uh, maybe. Ominous. Yeah. Um, cut to an airplane hanger. We hear a man's voice saying, Timothy, I know you're going to kill me. Please use the gun, not the knife. Um, we pan up over the planes and we see like two men silhouetted. One's like hanging from some contraption. That um, was weird. I don't know what that was meant to be. You just like hanging up. It almost seemed like there. a thing that you would have a you would suspend an engine from or like lift an engine out of a thing. Yeah, you're right. But I don't, but I, I've seen those before too and it didn't quite look like that. It just basically looked like a torture device. Right. Cool. They willed into this hand. Well, we we don't know Timothy that well yet, but he's the type, the type of guy that would have a torture device. Yeah, a collapsible one that he hangs around, like (laughs) brings around with him. The man continues begging for a quick death and asks, how could I have told someone about the feds particularly. How could I have told the feds about the honeymoon thing? Because he knows nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And then we got our first look at this guy, Timothy, who, while making crazy face, agrees that the guy doesn't know and that he can tell when someone's lying. Yes. He's a good bad guy already. He's got a lot of swagger. Yeah. Which I, I like that about him. He just yeah. had, he was bringing a lot of charisma to the party. Right. Uh, they're interrupted by a phone call. He answers and mouths sorry to the guy he's about to kill for like an interruption. <laughs> for the rudeness. Yeah. Uh, the voice on the other end says that his old colleague, One-Eyed Jack, uh, who Timothy tells us is doing long time upstate, okay. uh, the guy from the prison earlier, we guess, um, yeah. broke out of jail two days after seeing something on the TV that disturbed him. Like, yeah, he saw something disturbing on TV and yeah. he's like, yeah, me too. It's called Baywatch Nights. Get to the fucking point. It's like that was a dated that was a yeah. dated joke, yeah, for sure. So apparently under sedation, this guy Jack said that Charlie Baltimore is alive. And then Timothy's like whole countenance changes. He's like very shocked looking. Another thing that made this to me a little weird is that it seems then like this guy Jack could have could break out of jail anytime he wanted and he'd just been just waiting for the right motivation. Either that or, like, a lot of guys, he's like, I've got it better in here than I do out there. That's sad. He's institutionalized. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, uh, like Red. Like could be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor Red. The voice says, Daedalus is understandably concerned and that Timothy was supposed to have disposed of Charlie eight years ago. Daedalus, so that's a human, a person. Yeah, code name of this some sort. This movie has got some distinctive names yeah. for characters. yeah. Uh, the voice says that though it's unlikely if she were alive, she'd probably try to contact, quote, the old man in Massachusetts. Okay. So Tim- a little breadcrumb. Yeah, exactly. Timothy orders a wiretap on whoever the old man is and says to tell Daedalus he's on the way. Then he hangs up and he's like mulling things over by like tapping his lips with the knife. <laughs> it's a weird distinctive knife as well, like very menacing knife. It's Yeah, it's terrifying looking. And then he just guts the dude and like holds him in this weird embrace. 
Yeah. While the guy's just like breathing his last <laughs> breaths. <laughs> He's twisted. Timothy's not okay. Yeah. Um, cut to elsewhere. Samantha's lacing up Caitlin's skates. She's got Mr. Perkins set up on a sled to watch Caitlin skate. Mr. Perkins, that teddy bear That's from right. earlier. Um, Caitlin's not enthused about ice skating. Uh, Samantha wants to try to do it alone. Uh, Caitlin's not convinced, but she's like, be one of the X-Men. You're tough, which is a cool reference. Yeah. Um, she was a little pushy, though. Yeah, she, she's, yeah, she is very I pushy. I mean, I feel like being a parent is hard, maybe. Like, yeah. you want to push your child to be able to be independent. Yeah. But My parents watched was my being... ass crash bicycles so many times before I figured out how to ride. Just really? were merciless. Try again. Is that's probably better than running alongside and holding on and like never wanted to take the training wheels off. You I know? just, I've just, I was, I crashed bikes so many times. Yeah. <laughs> My parents were unrelenting. Yeah. Do it again. <laughs> um, so she pushes Caitlin who screams, I'm not ready. And the kid immediately falls and is like holding her arm in pain. The sound effect of her thudding on the ice was like a, it sounded like a solid impact. Like you're going to die. Yeah. To, like Painful. some injury happened. Yeah. She wants to go home, says Caitlin. Samantha says she knows that she's afraid, but that's the whole point. Then she starts to get like an edge in her voice. Yes. And she sort her face sort of sets the whole in a serious changed. look. Yeah. And her voice changes, her face changes. She tells Caitlin to stop being such a baby and to get up. Which My wrist hot. hurts. That's fucking harsh though. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. saying. That's that's harsh parenting. Is that a, is that a parenting tactic that you're gonna adopt one day? I hope not. <laughs> that was like some no, that was some fucking like alpha parenting. Yeah. You know? Uh, Samantha bends down and picks her up by her jacket lapels and is like, life is pain. Get used to it. Then she tells Caitlin, like, ominously, you will skate all the way to the shore and you will not fall again. It was, like, threatening. Yeah. It was, yeah. Her voice had gone from anything but nurturing. Yeah, then she, like, cocks yeah. her head to one side. Am I understood? It's creepy as hell. Yeah. Caitlin was uh, picking up what she was putting down. Yeah. Later on at the house, we see Hal gently tucking Caitlin in she's asleep yeah and then he like pops in the treehouse and there's Samantha and she's like hanging out there feeling bad about being a bad mom <laughs> yeah I think she felt she felt some guilt about it well because we it comes we come to find out that she actually broke her wrist when she yeah, fell she, like, fractured so when she's shit. like saying all that shit like just shake it off get up and skate like it's not that bad it was that bad yeah and what's scarier is that she apparently doesn't even remember any of that conversation yeah, so, so I guess it was a thing of they told her you were so mean to her, and she's like, I don't remember that, but I, I feel guilty about it. Right. I blacked out, That's basically. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah, so Hal tries to, like, hold her, but she recoils, not in fear of him, apparently, but in fear of what she'll do to him. I Terrifying. guess. Okay. Um, a group of carolers is suddenly heard outside. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I guess. Uh, they don't look comfortable. Um, but then we see, like, they keep looking back. They're nervous, and we see a shotgun muzzle or something on yes. one of the guy's shoulders. Caroling at gunpoint. It was a new one for me. Yeah. Uh, Samantha grabs a dish of candy to give out to the carolers, and as she gets to the door, they scatter, and there's fucking one-eyed Jack. That's right. Oh, shit. He says, evening, Charlie, long time. And then, like, all hell breaks Smashes loose. Smashes the bowl of candy yeah. out of her hands. She grabs the gun and wrestles with Jack, and Caitlin comes down, and Sam's like, run! And a shot goes off. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, dude, Jack, just, if he came here to kill her, then kill her. But he right. wants to he wants to savor it or right. something. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, Jack pushes Sam down. Hal rushes and grapples with him. Mm -hmm. Jack knocks the crap out of Hal, understandably so, like, sends him flying in the living room. Dude, good for Hal. Yeah, He said, go, seemed Hal. like sort of a milk toast yeah. type of dude, but when it came down to it, like, he was willing to jump in and throw down to protect his... Yeah, I'm a fan. ...his family. Um, Jack slips on some candy, like, Home Alone style and falls down. <laughs> it was. It was a pratfall. Yeah, off balance, he's, like, trying to shoot a rocket or some shit up the stairs that, like, blows a wall out. Yeah, he had, like, sort of a pump-action rocket launcher, I guess, mounted to a shotgun, which yeah. I've never seen before. And neither did I. And it's cool, I guess, but also sort of pointless. Yeah. Uh, through the hole, like, Sam picks up Caitlin and, like, throws her out of the house into the treehouse across right. the way. And then they start fighting again. They fall, and she's, like, trying to get the gun, but he, like, picks her up and flings her through some glass. Um, yeah. He gets a shot off, but she uses the fridge as a shield. That was an awesome little action gag. Yeah, I like that. I like that one, too. Um, then, like, that knocks her backward understandably into like some kitchen cabinets um then he get like his gun gets jammed and he can't get a yeah, shot off. so right. she like starts throwing pans at him he's like fuck it and so he like walks up and just starts beating her 
And I'm like, dude, this woman's gotten the better of you once before. Right. Like, don't... He just seems like he's taking his time. Agreed. With it. And he's like, I want my eye back, bitch. He, like, slams her in the head with a jug or some shit. Like, I don't know what it is. He's attacking her in a way that we don't often see a man attack a woman on film. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I was, it was like jarring. jarring. It was yeah. like, geez, I, this is hard to watch. It is unsettling. He, like, knocks her head through, like, a glass cabinet door. Then he picks up a knife to kill her, and she looks for the only thing that she can use to fight back, and it's, uh, like, a like a Boston cream pie. <laughs> that was, like, shit. a banana cream in, or some in a, shit. In a, in, <laughs> granted, it's in a thick-ass Pyrex There was a nice meringue dish. on the top. Yeah. <laughs> and she, I guess she, like, breaks his head open, because there's blood. There's blood everywhere. The it was, like, pie. some Three Stooges shit. Shit. Yeah. Um, then Hal like stumbles to the kitchen just in time to see her deliver a punch to the back of Jack's head and then snap his neck backwards. Again, that'd be really hard to do, especially the the way she did it. It wasn't a twisting motion. No, it was like, like just, a whiplash. Yeah, like pulling motion. it straight back and breaking it. Then she licks some of the pie and blood Ooh. off her finger and looks up at Hal and says, "Chefs do that." That was that whole that bit was gross. Um, as we hear sirens, uh, it's as if she comes out of a trance and realizes what's going on around her, and then she remembers Caitlin. Yeah. And she, like, runs out of the house, and Caitlin is in Mitch's car. It's Mitch is, like, running up the walkway, and it's like, Caitlin's in my car. She's fine. She's fine. And then she, like, collapses as the cops are showing up. Do you think that Mitch and Samantha ever have met face-to-face before? At least once before. To hire yeah, them? Yeah, I okay. think so. It wasn't just done by phone or no, something? No, I think okay. they probably had to have met in person. It was, otherwise, it's just a little weird for him to say, little girl, little girl, come get in my car. Yeah, I totally agree. agree. But maybe they had, maybe he had come out to the house once before to yeah, take would, the case. I would think just, just so that he could get whatever she had like on her, which apparently was nothing. Not but a lot, I mean, yeah. Like, whatever... Um, her clothes that she was in to look at or whatever she had, which mm-hmm. was probably bare bones, like you say. But yeah, then the cops show up and immediately draw on an unarmed black man. Yep. <laughs> Nothing's changed since 1996. And then Caitlin's like, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. The little kid's like, don't shoot him. And he's like, yeah, don't shoot. <laughs> like, Call an ambulance. Right. And, and then, uh, and then yeah, so that that was a lot to unpack. In, whole in episode fucking one. lot of story right there. Woofda. Um, I've, I've had enough for now. <laughs> yeah, I need a Christmas cocktail, I feel Absolutely. like. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go get some uh, some white Russians. A or mold fucking... wine and an aged brie. Oh, okay, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, we'll be back. Oh.